I think uh, the pastoral staff was sending me a message with getting me a new Bible. They were saying, this is no longer acceptable. It's interesting because my husband and I were actually talking about me getting a new Bible and this, the way that it bends, oh my word. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for the worship and um, just this experience that I've been able to call Azure Hills my home. Whew. Um, I've been blessed with my experience here at Azure Hills and the young adults, I have called them my babies, even though we're in the same age bracket. Um, I will definitely miss having the opportunity to spoil them and to be their pastoral support. Um, this community has been a family. It's been a place of healing for me. It's been a place where I became a mom, a legal guardian to Jami. It's been a place where I got married. There's a lot of things that happened in these three and a half years. And um, you have been a family. You have been my support throughout these um, transitions. And um, I just loved experiencing church with you. I've experienced what it feels like to be in a loving family, our diversity in worship. And I just don't say diversity just to put it out there um, because it's in our mission and vision. But truly, our diversity in worship, when it comes to having the packed Sabbaths with our children singing in harmonies, and sometimes we have the organ playing, and sometimes we have our teens leading out, and our different um, groups leading out, our Indonesian team, the Spanish team, the teens, our diversity, truly for me, it has been a picture of heaven. And then once we started the gospel choir, for me, that was just like, yes. <laughs> so thank you. I will always remember. I remember the time of having to call Pastor Trevin my first month here on a Saturday night because the water pipe next to the young adult room had burst and there was water everywhere. I will remember. I will remember our crazy trip to Tijuana. Oh, what a beautiful experience. I will remember. I will remember the time this past summer when um, Pastor Greg, Pastor Starlup, myself, and my husband Robert sacrificed all these times and these sets for VBS. And when we set it up on Friday, everything, the wind just knocked it down. Oh, I will remember. <laughs> I will remember going with our young adults on a Saturday night to a 5K glow-in-the-dark foam run and then the next day going to Disneyland. Oh, my feet will remember that. <laughs> I remember our game nights. And don't sleep on Elder Lisa. She knows how to do these board games and card games. She is a natural. I will always remember Pastor Gatra calling me Mira. Where, oh, he's getting everything ready. Mira, Mira. Oh, he's right there. I will always remember. I will remember our last pastoral staff retreat where we were pushed to share our personal, vulnerable stories. I will remember.
I remember the time that our young adults last week, not last week, I wish it was last week, last year, where we got the time to share our stories in Big Bear, all oh, those retreats, I will remember. I will always remember. As I look back, I know now that God brought me here. And part of our journey together is to see what the future brings. And if you're like me, sometimes the future is unknown. If you're like me, sometimes the future is yucky and scary and uncertain and can cause anxiety. And honestly, it can be numbing. But today, God has put in my heart to share with you his faithfulness, his power, his resurrection. And Psalm 91, as we read, it says that he, it says that he will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge. Amen. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. God is faithful. Let us pray. God be with me. May you speak through me today. Jesus, may you be lifted. May we be reminded about who you are. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Luke 23, we find uh, uh, the story, the, the sad moments in the disciples' lives where we find Jesus being crucified on the cross we see the darkness coming in Luke 23, verses 44 to 46. It says, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. The sun stopped shining. The sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice saying, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. Now imagine this, you're putting all of your hope on this one man that you know that you have seen him do miracles, that he is the son of God, and you have put all of your hope because you believe that he is the king of kings and the son of God, and all of a sudden you see him crucified on the cross, you see him die. Your life is shattered. It was a dark time. A time where Jesus had forewarned them, but they didn't understand what was about to come. It was a dark time. A time where their faith had been challenged in a way that they have never seen before. It was a dark time. A time where it was no longer popular to say that you were a follower of Jesus. They had taken Jesus. They had beat him until he was unrecognizable. And there was no beauty about him anymore. It was a dark time. They hung him high and they stretched him wide on a cross. The ground didn't even understand what was happening. The ground even shook. And as the ground shook and trembled, the graves opened all over Jerusalem. The veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. It was a dark time. 
So dark that even the closest of his disciples denied him. They ran, they hid, they were afraid, they were concerned, they were perplexed, they were jobless, they were lonely, they were uncertain. Thomas ran out thinking and doubting and saying, I just don't know what's happening. Peter cursed somebody out and even denied that he even knew the Lord. The tension was so thick, you can cut it with a knife. It was a dark time. Oh, we know these dark times. When change hits, when jobs change, when breakups happen, when abuse happens, when you plan something out and it doesn't work out, when you have to wait, when you lose a loved one, when you're numb, when you get a diagnosis, it's a dark time. When you're existing and you're not living, you know these dark times. We've lived these dark times. We're in these dark times. The time where you think over and over and over and, and you remember that Jesus promised something and then you come back to it, but now the promise is only a memory. So dark that the time that turns into moments of contemplation and confusion and alienation, Jesus had died. It was a dark time for them. And they didn't understand because they saw that Jesus, the master, the one who once walked on water, the one who was, he who was healing the sick, the one who turned water into wine, the one who stood on the mountain of transfiguration, the one who caused the heavens to open, they just didn't understand. Their hope was absolutely gone. But I'm so glad that today... We know that the darkest hour comes before dawn. I'm so glad that we know that today, that even though Saturday for them was a dark time, that when we turn to Sunday morning, we know that the entire world got shocked when the earthquakes happened. We know that the entire world got shocked when the stone was rolled back because the grave was empty. Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is risen, Jesus is our hope. And because we know that he kept that promise, we can believe that he will keep his promise, and we know that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. Oh, he conquered the grave. He conquered death so that we can have freedom. The tomb is empty. He has risen with power in his hands, resurrection power. Now this is faithfulness. This is promise. Jesus wins, and God knows your tomorrow. Tell the person next to you, God knows your tomorrow. Don't be shy. You know with me, you got to talk. Tell the other person next to you, God knows your tomorrow. You see, God doesn't speak to our today from our situation, but he speaks to my today from tomorrow because God knows our tomorrow. God who has already been in my tomorrow is not anxious because he knows my tomorrow. From tomorrow, God, the one who is, the one who was, the one who is to come, speaks back to my today. And he speaks back to my today saying this to me, you are my child, I have chosen you, you have resurrection power, the grave is empty, I did that. Mm. Yes, God says I did that. Tell the person next to you and say he did that. Tell the other person next to you he did that. 
That's right. God increases my faith and gives me the ability to move forward with confidence. The perspective that resurrection gives us is that we now have a God that knows about our tomorrow. We have a God that knows what is best for us. We have a God that is in our tomorrow. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Amen. I'm going to read it again. It says, the one who calls you, he is faithful. He will do it. But, you know, sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we don't believe that God knows our tomorrow because if we believe that God was in our tomorrow, you would get some sleep. If you really believed that God was in, to in our tomorrow, you wouldn't worry if you really believed that God was in, to, in our tomorrow and believed in the resurrection, when stuff died, you would look at it and you would know that something else is coming because you know that God is already in your tomorrow. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't get down and you don't experience darkness. It doesn't mean that it doesn't get dark. It doesn't mean that you won't have confusion and complexity. It doesn't mean that you won't have pain and that you won't doubt. But it means what resurrection means is that God doesn't need your stress to work it out because it's already worked out in your tomorrow. Amen? God doesn't need our hope. If God is saying he's going to get up, he's going to get up. If God is saying you're going to get up, you're going to get up. If God is saying you're going to be an overcomer, you're going to be an overcomer. If God gave you a promise, he is going to fulfill that promise. Resurrection is yours. He is faithful. He did that. Now, very quickly, I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 24 and I love this story because even though we know that God is faithful even though we have heard about the promise sometimes we find ourselves like these two men who are walking on the road to Emmaus now read with me verses 13 in Luke chapter 24 now that same day, two of them were going into a village, the same day meaning the Resurrection Sunday, okay, about um, going into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them. And then in verse 17, it says, Jesus asks them what are you discussing together as you walk along i want to pause right here because to me it's very interesting okay jesus doesn't need to ask questions right he is the one who knows all things but if you ever go to therapy they ask you questions now what's interesting is that when a therapist asks a question all of a sudden it's like boom there's clarity there's focus right 
Jesus didn't need to ask a question because he needed information. Sometimes God asks questions just to help us process. You know, like a therapy session, like I was saying, they ask you questions and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, snaps, mercy, that hit home. It just got real. Meanwhile, God knows and the therapist knows how to help you. Sometimes before God can give you the answer, he needs to correct your question. Sometimes before God can give us what we need, we need to know what we need to ask for. He needs to help us with our clarity. And so imagine you have these two guys, they are literally hopeless, and they just don't understand what is happening. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and asks them, hey, guys, what happened? And then these two guys, imagine you trying to tell Jesus about Jesus, right? These two guys are like, you don't understand about what happened to Jesus. He was the Messiah, the prophet. And here you have people talking about the book to the author. You have people talking about Jesus to Jesus. And as these two men are talking about Jesus, they're distraught and they're hopeless. I don't know about you, but sometimes when there are dark times and we're hopeless, we tend to go back home. I don't know about you, but when there are dark times, we tend to go back to how things used to be. I don't know about you, but sometimes when things are hopeless, we give up because we said we tried that. You see, these two had hope. They, their hope, though, was nailed to the cross. They had hope, but their hope died. We had hope, and we thought that it was different. We had hope that he was going to break our chains. We had hope that God was going to heal our disease. We had hope but God that God was going to take our addictions away. We had hoped, but we lost it. We went there. We tried it but now we're headed home. But I love it because even though when we are hopeless, God shows up. Even though we're headed home, when life knocks the breath out of you and we're headed home and we go back to our familiar ways, God shows up. Even though we may leave too early, God shows up. Even though they heard that the tomb was empty. If you read in, in, chapter, in that chapter, they heard that the tomb was empty. They heard that the women had, had seen Jesus. They heard about it. They heard that Jesus was alive, but they just couldn't understand. And, and they just walked back home because their hope was gone. No matter where you are, God is with you. Jesus shows up. They're standing there right next to hope, but they have no hope. They're standing there right next to Jesus with power, but they feel weak. They're heading home. But you know what? Jesus is faithful. He shows up. That was his promise. In Joshua 21, verse 45, it says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Again, Joshua 21, verse 45 says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. God's promise to you is that he will show up. You may not see it when you're in it, but he will show up. Glory never looks like glory. The blessing never looks like blessing. I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a family vacation that it was the worst 
family vacation. But then when you look at pictures, you're like, oh my goodness, this was the best. But no, it was the worst. Why are you editing everything that happened? I remember uh, my mom, one time she actually broke the same foot I broke, which is interesting. And we wanted to go to Disney in Florida and to do Universal. And she was like, no, sorry, the trip is canceled. And we're like, no, are you crazy? We still need to go. And we'll push you around in the wheelchair. Better yet, we can get in front of the lines. This is the best. And no, it was the worst. We got there and because I think my mom had canceled, we tried to reschedule. And um, even though we had a timeshare, the place that we, we went to when we got to our resort, everything was like mosquitoes everywhere. I mean, on the walls. I went to the pool, it was mosquitoes. And you know, we were just like, yay, Florida. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad. I would say it was the worst vacation. But when we look at the pictures, uh, we just laugh. You know, when we, I remember one time, <laughs> We were in line, and um, my mom was just there. And we took a picture, and you could see in her face, poor mommy. Like, you know, she was a trooper. But you can see in, her pic in the picture, like, it, she was miserable. And sometimes it's like that with God in our lives. Even though we go through the worst thing, when you look back, you can see how God was working. You can see that in the memories that we struggled together, that God was working. We don't know what glory looks like until it's there. We don't know what blessing looks like until it's coming. And so Azure Hills, glory is coming. Azure Hills, blessing is coming. And I love that about our God because for God, he doesn't care about what you do and how how you're doing it, he just knows that you are his, and it's his promise. It's his promise. And so he walks along the road with these guys, and he explains everything to them. And then as they get to their place, Jesus was going to keep walking, but these two men invite Jesus in. And so Jesus is now doing fellowship with them, and all of a sudden, Jesus breaks the bread. And they know now that it's Jesus. They can see that it was Jesus and they can know that with the bread broken, with his body broken, with his sacrifice broken, that we can see that it was Jesus. And sometimes in our most difficult lives, when we are hopeless, when we finally get the answer, when we are finally made aware that Jesus is with us, that he is walking alongside us against, along the road, when we are hopeless, we, when we see Jesus, we can do nothing but turn back to the promise. And so these two men realize Jesus is alive, and so they do a 180, and I call it in football as an interception. I've been watching a lot of football with my husband, and recently in the games, they've been a lot of interceptions. And so they catch the football, right, and do a complete turnaround. They go back to Jerusalem and tell them what they had seen when Jesus shows up in our life, we can do nothing but tell others. You see, nothing is wasted for us. Jesus says that nothing is wasted. He sees that your tears are not a waste, your hustle is not a waste, your doubt is not a waste, your lack of hope is not a waste, your depression is not a waste, your pain is not a waste 
because he will show up. He is the promise. He takes it all and speaks your tomorrow into today. And so as we look back and as we see, we can tell others, even though there may be, um, even though you, there may be dark times, we have a hope that God is powerful. We have a hope that God is faithful and that God will show up. Azure Hills, God is telling you that he is there. God is telling you that he is alive and that we serve a risen Savior. I love these words, and they're words from the song um, called Do It Again by Elevation Church, and I'm actually going to invite the praise team to come up. The song goes like this, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet, waiting for change to come, knowing the battles won. For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness, great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You have never failed me yet. So as they play this song, this is our closing song. I want you to stand up, to think about the words, and just think about this resurrection power that we get to tell others about. Just think about this resurrection power, the fact that Jesus is alive. The whole world needs to know that because he kept that promise, that he's going to keep his second promise when he says that he is coming back, that Jesus is the alive. He is coming soon, and now it's time for us, Azure Hills, to tell the world, to tell all of San Bernardino, to tell Grand Terrace that Jesus is coming. Amen? That the promise has never failed, that God is faithful and he keeps his promise.